0: You're now listening to sound talent media check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com
1: i mean it, it, it's weird like it definitely feels like the most cohesive thing we've ever done um just songwriting wise like the songs feel like better written songs uh than of Rotten and ruin like they they make more sense to us they feel thematically More complete, and they were all figured out in it in a year. Year and a half where we couldn't see each other.
2: <laughs> hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music and craft, beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend because I most certainly did. We are now in the month of March, which means that sober February is behind us. Today's episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal. Promoter, They put on a bunch of sick shows all year long, and they have just announced that they're putting on Opeth and Mastodon with my friends in Chemist opening that show. That show will come through Montreal on April 21st at Place Belle. I am so, so stoked to see a big-ass show in my hometown. I'm so stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast. Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review. Now why do I want you to do that? Well you have to imagine that when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down, they look at the ratings, they check out the reviews, and if those ratings and reviews are positive, well they're probably gonna give that podcast a chance. So by you rating the podcast and writing a review, you could actually be the person that helps sway someone's decision to become a future Vox and Hopshead, and that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today's episode is a very special episode because it is a full band episode. It is with a band that I absolutely adore. Today on the podcast, I'm with AJ Vienna, Frank Albanese, Greg Nottis, and Peter Brown of Half. This is Vox and Hops episode number 329. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today is a very, very special episode. I am uh, here with uh, four wonderful humans uh, that make up one of uh, the most exciting bands on the extreme metal scene right now. A band that I fell in love with, uh, thanks to uh, Jerry Monk, the Vox and Hops metal architect himself. He uh, introduced me to this band, I want to say back in 2019 when I asked the internet, can you please um, give me some, what are you listening to Vox and Hops heads? And he's like, you gotta listen to half. And I made this massive playlist for my. Myself And I went to work and I put it on shuffle. And then I was like, what's this? Half. And then it kept going. And then again, what's this? Half. And then again, out of all the songs, it was the ones that I just kept going, who is this band? So then I listened to the album. Addicted. Uh, We've got to know each other really well throughout the pandemic thanks to the Thirsty Thursday gang. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm joined with Pete Brown, AJ Vianna, uh, Greg Nottis, and Frank Albanese. Uh, This is Hath and I'm very excited to be with you boys. Uh, How are you guys doing tonight? Great man. Hello. A lot better now.
1: Doing well. Doing good.
2: Good. Very very happy to be with you. It's a so cool to do a full interview with a full band. I'm so used to doing one-on-one. Uh, I was saying also before we started recording that this is going to be the first episode of a full band interview, which is something that I love and am interested in digging into. I did an int- a live interview with Ingested that I put on my YouTube back at the beginning of the pandemic, but uh, this is the very first episode so i'm excited for that let's jump straight into it um shittiest question of the night Uh, the rest of it will hopefully get better uh how did you guys cope and we'll go around one by one if you guys want to elaborate on other people's that's fine and that's how we'll go throughout the night how did you cope with the glorious years of 2020 2021 and most hopefully uh to the 10th power of a thousandth not 2022 how did you cope with these glorious years that we're going through
3: it sucked straight up uh it was it was boring uh it's very depressing to see things go in such a way in the world and i don't know what's normal anymore <laughs> to, su- to sum it <laughs> all out.
2: how about you aj aj is actually a vox and hops alumni i had him on right at the beginning of the pandemic uh he was he was uh, i hit him up because of Hath. so it's actually his second time being on for Hath. but we talked a lot about your other projects as well how, how did you cope uh, since our last conversation uh twenty
4: twenty the first half of 2020 sucked. Latter half of 2020 was less suck because uh, that was when we kind of got like full steam ahead with like writing and, and everything else for the for the record. Uh, 2021 stunk because the record was kind of done, but nothing was happening. Um, and then it, the later parts of 2021 got better. And so far, knock on wood, 2022 is looking looking pretty all right. So earlier years sucked but it's, a, it's we're we're on the up. I feel like we we hit bottom and now we're we're climbing. I'm excited for you guys. Uh, nothing worse
2: than then writing a record and then having to sit on it trying to mm-hmm. release. Yeah. It's like having a baby and then no one comes to visit the baby. <laughs> by the time yeah. come, the baby's old and then you don't like the baby anymore. Yeah, <laughs> cuz you have a new baby. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, the child is filing for its AARP card, and you're like, "What? What? what? How? Years have passed, and we're still here." Honestly, no all of the all,
2: How about you, Greg? Uh, how, how How were these years for you?
4: I mean, they were all right.
0: I mean, it was fine. Um, I mean, not much in my life changed. Uh, my work never closed for anything. Um, I didn't get COVID until like november or october october or november or something like that um so i mean like yeah like i kind of just hung out uh vibed um cooked a lot worked uh drank some pinot and then we wrote a record and now we're here doing this
2: So- sounds like every day. It's it's nice. It's nice. Uh, how about you, Pete? Uh, we, we got to know each other uh, quite well because you came to a lot of the Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the few things that helped keep me sane through all this. So like 2020, just like everyone else, it really sucked. Um, we had a pretty big tour lined up for April 2020 that, you know, with the ev- same thing with everyone else. It was like, maybe is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? It didn't end up happening um and then uh, I worked from home every day, so my life didn't change too much except I couldn't go anywhere anymore, so I only stayed home. There was no band practice, no going out, nothing um so I started going stir crazy, and the thirsty Thursday gang, you know, those hangouts was actually really helpful for me because it was something I got to look forward to. It's like, okay, it's not just me and my wife, my cat, and my dog every day, you know, staring at the same, same house, same walls. It's like, okay, I can go talk with other people and not have to worry about it.
2: It was so, so organically created the Thirsty Thursday game. Yeah. It's, it's never anything that I could have tried to create or plan to create. It just happened and the timing of it was so crucial. Everyone needed a way to express themselves outside of the people in their house.
4: <laughs> yeah. Shout out and Thirsty
2: Thursday gang.
1: I uh I have uh the Thirsty Thursday gang, or I should say there's a lot of breweries around me that have to thank the Thirsty Thursday gang because I got way <laughs> too into beer for maybe eight months. <laughs> it was like every night it's like okay five or six different breweries i can try out yeah let's do it and then uh i stepped on a scale eight months later and it's like okay i gotta slow down a little bit <laughs> i gotta go outside
2: i got to fight the hops yeah,
1: <laughs> it was a, Well, everything was delivery too. So it was like, I don't have to go anywhere. Like everyone's delivering. I can try all this new stuff. Hmm. So 2020, terrible year, except for trying craft beer.
2: <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of craft beer, uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music and craft beer. Uh, what are you all sipping on your side? And then I'll introduce my beer at the end, starting with you, Pete, take it.
1: Uh, so I've got two local breweries I'm trying out tonight. Um, this one, what I'm drinking right now, it's a Weissenbach by Hackensack Brewing Co. It's the blizzard of 96. And then I've got an English ale by Ghost Hawk Brewery right after that.
2: Sick. Great. Greg, uh, you, you're, you're pouring something from a box. So, so yeah. what, what are you drinking tonight?
0: Um, it's this new place. Um, it's this, uh, this local brewery uh, called um, Boda Box. Um, it's a Pinot Grigio it's not very hoppy um, at all um, because it's wine um, beer makes you fat and I don't want to be like Pete and AJ and so I, I I like wine um, that's okay and that's about it yeah I'm gonna <laughs>
4: send
0: it's that a step question. up from I'll your
4: just... usual uh, usual uh, baby feet your uh, are a barefoot wine.
0: <clears throat> well, here's the thing. I turned 30. I figured to heck with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Spend the money. <laughs> it's $2 more expensive. And you know what? Um, I don't get hung over.
1: You're paying for quality.
0: You're, pay- you're paying for quality. It's a nice cardboard box. Um, it's a recyclable yeah. bag inside. And you know what? I feel like I'm doing my part. And also um, getting kind of lit, watching cooking shows uh, on YouTube. (laughs) It tastes better out out of my Mean Girls mug. So
2: that's
0: what I'm doing tonight.
2: I I appreciate that very much. Uh, How about you, Frank? What are you drinking Uh, tonight?
3: I'm drinking Hive Burner which is the beer oh, shit. that we we collabed on with broken goblet who is uh very good friends of ours they're they are close to three of us um it's a honey and habanero pepper uh ipa it's it's uh ex- ex- extremely fucking good and i wish everybody could have it but uh sorry it's
2: done you gotta get you gotta get the broken goblet crew to make it again yeah
3: i, w- I, w- I would love more i would love more this this stuff uh i'll say it, it slapped a lot more than i expected it to well not 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 even expected to but more than i even hoped that it, that it would
4: and it sold out pretty quickly too which was kind of yeah, surprising like a to me anyway i was like who's gonna drink spicy beer and turned out it was people like love it. spicy beer <laughs> amazing how about you aj what, what are you drinking tonight uh, i've got uh I'm going Jersey strong today. I got a Tonewood Brewing Company Fuego. Uh, It's an IPA. It's not quite spicy, but it's very citrusy, and it's got like a little bit of a bite at the end. And then uh, I got Mermaid Blonde Ale Ship Bottom Brewery uh, on deck afterwards.
2: Fantastic, fantastic. On my side, I'm drinking uh, a non alcoholic beer because I am doing my sober February as we have this conversation. Uh, this is called Jules, and it is a uh, watermelon Berliner Weiss from uh, Le Brasil, Micro uh from here in Montreal. It's uh, brewed out of uh, Saint Buck, uh, which, if you've listened to any episodes early on in the career of Vox and Hops, in the catalog of Vox and Hops, I did many, many, many interviews at Saint Buck before the pandemic because uh, they're awesome and they gave me free beer so uh say buck awesome cool place in montreal and uh, throughout the pandemic they sort of changed their mentality to making non-alcoholic beers and they're actually really the best that are doing it in the province right now so i'm gonna crack this pour this out and i would love to hear about uh frank we'll take you first well, what do you remember your first beer the first beer that you ever drank
3: um i mean other than trying to get sips uh that were like lying around the house uh i want to like a first actual beer oh man uh you know what it was homecoming probably my sophomore year of high school and uh <laughs> I, I i don't remember which one was first but i i i had a high life and i had a drink that was i don't know if it's a thing still but it's called sparks uh it's like an e- energy drinks slash slash beer
2: okay yeah yeah there was a fad of that for a while
3: yeah uh but this was like man how long ago was this maybe like 15 years ago uh 17 years ago so those two things that first night were uh the first ones that i, I, I had and um eventually i delved into craft beers i don't remember when that happened it's all a blur after that
2: <laughs> <laughs> things got better but blurry um how about you greg did you do you remember the first beer you had before you you tasted delicious uh raisin nectar
0: yeah Actually, so the first thing I remember is like my dad, when I was like six, gave me a sip of like a Coors Light, and I was like, "Why would anybody want to drink it? Like this is <laughs> atrocious. Like who? What you drink this for enjoyment? Like this is what they give people in like prison. Like this is <laughs> terrible." <laughs> and then I remember when I got older, we had a garage fridge which had beer in it. And I remember stealing one when no one was home. But what I didn't realize is that those beers were like two years old. So they were skunked. (laughs) So then I had another beer and I was like, this is even worse than the Coors Light. Why do people drink this? And then my first real beer was a Heineken because I had a friend whose parents thought they were cool and like let kids come over and like party. And I'm like, no, i realize realized now, like, you're not cool. Like your parents are a problem. Like they're not, you're not cool. <laughs> like, like me 14 thrown down Heineken's and passing out on your floor is not a cool thing. So I went to wine instead.
2: <laughs> At least they're and, drinking in a house supervised, hopefully and not out in the streets though. Which is which is a lot of people's mentality that let them do that.
0: Yeah, but when you're fifty five and playing beer pop with a thirteen year old, it's not really
2: <laughs> No, that's true.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah but <laughs> that's, not, that's not super cool. Who won
0: though? I don't
1: remember.
4: I've seen Greg's pop <laughs> shot game. Obviously Greg won.
2: <laughs> How about you, Pete? Do you remember the first beer they ever drank?
1: Uh the first one I can remember, I think I was at a house party, like my first or second week of college and um the rules of the house party were uh guys had to drink warm keg beer of whatever they got and girls had like liquor or something like that so i had you know i had that cool friend house in high school but it was like okay all of us will throw five bucks we'll get a really shitty bottle of vodka and we'll have two drinks and have a great time. And so it was we were like cheap about drinking growing up, and then when we got to col- when I got to college, I was like, all right, I guess beer. I have to learn to drink this now. And it was probably Natty Light or something like that. Some real like bottom bottom shelf garbage college beer, and it was disgusting. I remember drinking like half a cup, half like a red Solo cup. I was like, I can't drink this. Like I'm I'm gonna vomit just because it tastes so bad. Uh, and then that sort of like drinking out of cheap necessity just continued through college until like, I think I found yingling. I was like, this is actually a good beer. (laughs) Like I can drink a good number of these and not want to die until the next day. Um, and I think craft beer, I don't know. That was, there wasn't really craft beer in college. It was probably like good five, six years later after that.
2: No, no. Typically in college, I imagine it's, it's efficiency. You want something that's going to get the job done, but not cost too, too much.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of PBR, a lot of Tecate, a lot of yingling, whatever was on sale.
2: (laughs) AJ, I'm sure I asked you this question, but I don't remember the answer. So, so, um, what was your first beer?
4: So sort of similarly to Greg's story, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of, like, like at family gatherings, it would be, like, an uncle or something being, like, hey, try some of this. Try some of this. And in my family, uh, Corona is, like, the top of the mountain. Um So it would be, like, try this Corona. And I would try and be, like, this sucks. I don't want this. And then, you know, a couple years later, try, hit, hit, try the Corona. It's good. No, this sucks. I don't want it. And then we had, similarly, a, a garage fridge full of Corona. But what I didn't realize at the time that my mom kept all the Corona in that fridge for like cooking. So it was like very, very old, like year old beer. So You're not getting it for the alcohol content. You're getting it for the flavor. So I cracked one open and I drank it and it was skunked and it was awful. Um, And then, yeah, so pretty much Corona from, felt like birth. (laughs) And then throughout all my childhood, it was just like Corona, try this, try this, try this. And then I think my, uh, one time it was like in while my wife was in college went to a house party and they had guinness and i tried a guinness and i was like whoa what is that and then you know shit went shit went haywire from there
3: that was your thing for a while
4: yeah guinness was like it for me for a while and then uh yeah i was like oh wait there are are other other flavors in this beer rainbow that i can try <laughs> But yeah, Guinness was Guinness was a bit was a staple for me for a while. Even in the summertime, it sucked. <laughs> no, there's no. I I don't believe in stout season. Everyone says
2: uh, there's always time for stout. This is really good. Yeah. It's uh, sour. The the watermelon really pops. The jewels from Bazao uh, City. Um It's tart, super light. You would almost there's the questioning of if it's beer. It is a beer base, but it feels more like a like a drink, like a like a, a sweet sort of drink, but it's, it's delicious. It feels great, and the mouth feels awesome. Um, let's dance deeper into you guys. I would love to hear about your first, first shows. Do you remember
4: the first show that you went to go see? We'll take it with you, AJ, and then we'll make our way around. So I come from a Portuguese background. My entire family is Portuguese, and uh, in town there was a like a Portuguese club And we would go there when they would have, uh, they were called the which is like Portuguese folk dancing and music and big old party. And that was probably the first time I ever saw like live performance, but probably my first concert that I ever went to was, uh, Yanni.
2: Oh really? (laughs) Yes. I do remember Uh, as I asked the question, I remember you talking about going to Mm -hmm. see, uh, underground metal shows.
4: Yeah. Underground metal shows was probably, I I couldn't pinpoint it, but it. I was, it was probably somewhere and frank was also playing hmm. with his band at the time Interesting. it was probably probably my first uh my first metal show It was probably a show that frank was playing
2: interesting but yanni take us back to yanni do, do you remember the experience of being there do you remember what your vibe was were you excited to see yanni
4: i so i my parents had played like they had like a couple of his cds and they would play it every now and again when they uh wanted music in the back but didn't want anything to like focus on um and so like i've i had heard it and at at some points i was probably like this isn't like real music go put a like like tlc or something on um (laughs) and so we would we went to the show My, my parents were like we're gonna go see yanni live it's gonna be a great show you're gonna love it and i'm like all right sure so we go and we're we're like up Kind of, it, it's in a, like an arena. So we're on like kind of like side ish stage up on the seats, a couple of floors up. And like the lights go out, the lights kick on, and it's just colors and sounds because it's like all like world based music. So it's like crazy like throat singing and then like didgeridoo and then like flutes and all this kind of crazy stuff. And I, I one vivid memory, the, the drummer busted into a drum solo. And this is around the time that I was like, "Oh, I want to play drums," and my dad's like, "See, that's a fucking drummer right there." (laughs) And I'm like, "Yeah, Dad, cool." I I don't know what's happening right now. (laughs) Like we're from like from like like dancing and like uh like Indonesian kind of sounds, and now we're busting into a drum solo. I have no idea what's happening. I'm twelve. Like,
2: (laughs) Yanni needed a break.
4: Yeah, he's <laughs> doing too much. He needs to stream one. <laughs> How
2: about you, Frank? Do you remember um, your first live music experience?
3: Um, I remember several between the ages of like six and nine, I guess. But I don't remember which one was first. But uh, we used to go to these like um, these festivals that were for the 4th of July, which uh, sometimes they would have like larger acts. And uh, I remember was foreigner one time Blue oyster Cole and one time there was Pat Banatar and so it, it was either that or it was George Thurgood at a biking festival um or almond Brothers at an actual like concert um one of those three was was it I was too small to know those exactly are, what which, a range Seriously,
2: but those are really good. You should have yeah. seen the bands that played at no offense to the bands that played at the Two Mountains Canada Day services but <laughs> it wasn't Foreigner. Yeah, right. I was like, "Okay." That's awesome. That's a, that's a good first way to start. How about you, Greg? Do you remember the first show you went to go see?
0: Um, I certainly remember the first concert I went to. Probably the first like live music. Well, the first live music I heard was probably the Mummers. So that's a big thing locally in like the Philadelphia, Jersey area, Um, like my cousins and my grandparents and like my dad and uh, pretty much everybody in my family on my dad's side, except for basically me, was a part of it. So that was always playing in the house and every New Year's it's a big thing and there's a big parade. But actually one of the first local shows I remember, it was a battle of the bands and Dig Your Own Grave was playing. AJ uh, may or may not have been there.
4: Um, (laughs) Those are early, like, middle school bands, man. Yeah, and the
0: the singer took his shirt off for some reason in, like, the middle of the set. And then, but the first real concert I ever went to, um, I, it was Metallica, and Godsmack opened up. My friend, Zach, who was a guitar player in a band called Outer Haven, his dad took me and him, and I was in like eighth grade, and Metallica played, and I was a big fan of Metallica, but I was like, bro, it's 9.30, like, how long do these things go? Like, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm
2: like, to yeah, school like, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, like for real. And then (laughs) I remember, I couldn't afford a t shirt in the venue. So we bought one in the parking lot. But they were only like two XLs. And I was like four foot four at the time. And it went past my knees. (laughs) And my mom said, you're never going to grow into it. So I gave it (sighs) to the problem. It's mom.
2: small world. <laughs> oh man, small world. Love it. Uh Pete, do you remember your first show?
1: First like music experience. Like I grew up outside New York City, so probably a Broadway show or something like that going into the city with my parents. Um we saw a bunch of different like broadways and operas growing up. Uh they were like very very into theater and live performance in that regard. They're not really like a traditional concert kind of crowd. Um, So my first real, what we would call like a proper concert, um, I think I was 16. uh, And there used to be a venue in New Jersey called Rexplex. It was like this 90s alternative, just insane amusement park. It had like skate rinks and paintball and indoor soccer and basketball courts, but they would hold these giant events there. And this, there was a, an event called Hellfest that ran for a few years. And uh, me and some friends convinced uh, one of my friend's dads to drive us down and pick us up. Um, and we were going because Andrew WK was playing that day. We had no concept of whoever else was playing like I think I get I get what had just come out. And we were like, we want to go see that he's playing. Let's go. We we didn't. And this is probably two thousand three, two thousand four. We didn't realize um, Mastodon was there. Every Time I Die was there. Bane was there. E Town Concrete was there. Uh, and there's like three or four other now. In retrospect, huge bands that we were watching. We we're like with no frame of reference of who they were, and we we're like, okay. <laughs> we just move on to like Macedon's playing Leviathan and you know, all that, and we're like, like, um, we're screaming like white whale, holy grail. I'm like, all right, it's a song about a whale, and we move on to the next band. <laughs> Andrew W.K. was sick though.
2: <laughs> Amazing. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hobsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates. alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums, even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxenhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxenhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Uh, how about a twisted question? Because I, I typically ask uh, what your first show was like for yourself. But let, let's twist it since you guys are all here. Do you remember the first half show? Oh, yeah. And how, and how did that go? Greg, Greg you kick this off.
0: Um, oh, man. What, what, was, what was it called? um century century bar so we didn't play a show for like the first like like three actually our first show was like a week or it was like really soon before we went on tour yeah mm-hmm. we played our uh, yeah we played our first show and then like a week later went on our first tour mm-hmm. um we played at century bar it was like it was like in the middle of like south philadelphia um, just on a corner, but there was like twenty people there, I think. Like, and I don't know. I think it was just it was weird because we've never we never played any of these songs in front of anybody. It was didn't it was like you, you kind of didn't know how to act. You're like, is does this look cool? Like, yeah. like oh, I, I can't <laughs> I can't hear Pete because he's playing like a crate combo on the other side of this of yeah. this like, si- like six foot by six foot room yeah yeah it was it was it was cool i don't i don't remember pretty much anything else other than that but i just remember it being really cool and it was it was um we were like yeah we're ready for tour yeah (laughs) Yeah. um (laughs) i
3: recall the room in the back was extremely small um so we chose to share gear so i think we shared cabs and aj used the house drums and as soon as we started the first track, uh, his kick drum, like, moved like two feet or some, some shit. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel- yeah. It was like, it was like typical, like, house kit, like, that you would expect. We sh- I show up, I'm like, yeah, that'll work. And, the, and I was like, do you have something I can put in front of, like, the bass drum? Because I know it's going to move. And the, the sound guy was like, uh, I have, like, that two by four over there. And I was like, sure, okay. <laughs> so we put it in front. And yeah, like the very first like kick hit, I thought I was going to send that to the front of the room. It was bananas.
1: <laughs> if, if I'm remembering right, we only had like two or three practices before that. It was like, everyone learn the songs at home. We'll try them a few times. We'll play this show. Hope, hopefully it goes well. And if it doesn't, I mean, we're going on tour a week later. So figure it out.
2: Really? So, so the band really like wrote, remotely
4: yeah so we did in 2015 2014 2015 we recorded Hive mm-hmm. and the, the the EP and then we rehearsed for like three four weeks because it was just me Frank and Greg at the time and we were like yeah we we'll put out this EP people seem to kind of dig it we'll we'll play some shows and then like like, like what, three months later, Frank was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm moving to Ohio. Uh. And we were like, oh, okay. And then, yeah, from 2015 to, like, 2017, I think, yeah, we, we were, like, on and off kind of writing and whatever, and then we wrote and recorded a Rotten Ruin. And, yeah, when we played that Century show... We had like there was no new mu- like We played new music, but we hadn't dropped anything out. Like the record, the first single didn't come out until January of 2019. Yeah, we were and that on show tour. was in November. So yeah, like we were on tour when the first single dropped, and that was the first like new music that was put out. So we played that Century Show, and everybody was just kind of like okay who are these guys <laughs> we were yep. like we don't know yeah like we're <laughs> the first time doing this i mean
1: we still don't really know what we're doing but like even then it was like what the fuck is happening
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean we we basically reported that ep in like in aj's bedroom at his parents house like the mm-hmm. whole ep was done and then like we made a facebook and was like hey by the way we did this if you want to listen to it go ahead and then i don't think we made a facebook post for like 9 months after that like yeah, we just really pretty much went it dark. and then just yeah, it just went on with our lives.
1: Just ghosted <laughs> pretty much
2: but lots of good things did come after that. A Rotten Rune came out. Um, lots of accolades. Uh, right now you really didn't get to do much with it sadly because of the pandemic. He talked about a big tour that sadly didn't get to happen. But now All That Was Promised is coming. It's about to be out, actually, as, as we have this conversation. It's coming out March 4th via Willowtip. Um, let's talk about it. Let's dig right into it. Uh, what is the evolution of Hath from Rot rotten Ruin to All That Was Promised? What was uh, some of your main goals as a band to take Hath to the next level?
4: I think song-wise, we were definitely gunning for more aggressive we were trying to make it uh, everybody says it right we were trying to make the the songs uh heavier and more aggressive and uh i think the the climate in which it was written really lent itself to making the songs very uh dramatic very moody and very angry <laughs> and then uh as as yeah i think the the 2020 year really played a big part in how the songs kind of came out, I think.
1: I mean, it, it's weird. Like, it definitely feels like the most cohesive thing we've ever done. Um, just songwriting-wise, like, the songs feel like better written songs uh, than of Rotten Ruin. Like, they they make more sense to us. They feel thematically more complete. I don't know. And they were all figured out in a, in a year year and a half where we couldn't see each other. <laughs> so it was a lot of like remote writing parts, getting on like Hangouts or Zoom or something like that. And hopefully we can figure out how to make it play over the video call where everyone can figure out what's happening, piecing pieces together and then having, you know, hours long conversations of like, well, I think this would work better here. or Maybe this would work better Um, And that went on for like, but all of 2020 and then January 2021, um, we felt safe enough. Like we had uh, all like quarantined for a week, like didn't leave. And we're like, all right, we're going to pick a day where I'm going to take off work. We're just going to lock ourselves in the studio and we're going to figure out what in this like giant garbage pile of riffs and half-written songs we have, what works and what doesn't. And it was like a 14-hour day or something like that. We just locked ourselves in the control room, listened to every single thing, for better or worse, and picked what? Uh, I think it was 12 that came out of that. And then later on, we whittled it down to nine. But it, it, it was like a list of... 20 25 songs to start with or ideas not not even songs i think
3: it was june or july 2020 where we had like the 23 or so tracks and then in the fall was when we kind of like cut it down to like 12 and then we kind of just like hovered around that and i think somewhere in that fall we like chose the final nine and that's when we like we sat on those songs until june 2021 so that was like nine like eight to ten months that we just like had the same songs and we would just constantly go all right now i'm having second thoughts about this one like maybe we uh change this part or maybe we add this or maybe we we move this to the end or uh, maybe we swap the final track with the seventh track like that kind of stuff and we did that for like seven months yeah yeah,
0: yeah we basically like we gave like we gave ourselves like homework assignments like, hey, go listen to these 15 songs. And then we had just like a big Excel sheet. And it was like, what are the pros and cons of each song? <laughs> like, we all had like we yep. all had like a, a tab and it was like this song. I don't like from 2.30 to four minutes. Like, that's all garbage. It's boring. It's repetitive. Get rid of it. Like, this song's great. I don't like this song. And then we would have a big Zoom meeting. And like Pete would share a screen and we would go like page by page and be like, all right, so everybody likes this part. All right. Well, everybody likes this first half of the song. AJ and Greg don't like the second half of the song. All right. Well, can, what can we switch around? What can we redo? What can we do? And like, yeah, like we would have to listen and like make notes on hmm. what we liked and what we didn't like.
1: It, it was like very a very calculated approach in that regard. Cause we couldn't see each other like we couldn't sit in a room and organically feel out how they were uh how they were playing as a group we we didn't practice these for the first time until i think march 2021 we all we were all in the same room together to to try it out for the first time and like even when we we thought we would get to a good point where it was like okay this is this is the list this is what we're going to focus on now one of us would discover like, Hey, out of 10 songs, eight of them all fade out or like eight of them or four of them start (laughs) the same exact way or too similar. So it would go back and we would just have to keep reworking and reworking over and over and over. Just so like looking at it from, you know, pull it back a hundred foot view. It's like, does do these make sense by themselves? Do they make sense together? Like, without even knowing how they felt played as a band
4: yeah there was even i think that and that even carried through the recording process like i I was telling frank there was one song that we were cutting vocals for and i was and b- right before he came in to do because he had come in he did the vocals we were like ah the lyrics the lyrics the patterns like none of it's vibing like it, it kind of sucks so let's <laughs> let's go back and we'll try it like Go go home, figure it out, and then we'll come back again, and we'll try it. And if it, you know, and see where it goes. And I remember sitting in the control room, like listening to the demos, and just being like, "We're probably gonna have to cut this song. Like, like the 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 vocals are like the everything just felt so boring." And Frank like came in, he like threw his shit on the ground. And he's like, "No, we're gonna fucking do it!" <laughs> and he came in with like full energy and did it. and We were like, "All right, yeah, no, I think I just needed a, I think you just needed to sleep on it, and then." rip it out and then it worked Uh, so many
2: amazing things so many just good work ethic is really what's resonating the most out of everything you've just said uh being in a band myself i know that writing material together is difficult it's difficult when you're together even more difficult when you're apart how did you guys voice This sucks. You just sort of said it right there. Uh, How did you guys get through the not taking things personally, uh, realizing that it's for the good of the album, for the good of the band? Versus, this is my riff. I love this riff. How did you not take everything too personally?
1: Oh, we just bully each other all the time. Yeah, (laughs) I
0: mean, I I don't. I don't think that's ever. I don't think that's ever really been an issue. I mean, there's been conversations where someone's kind of gone to bat for a song or a section or a riff, but we all understand, like we've all been playing music and we've all been playing music in one way or another with each other, <clears throat> either in this band or other bands or whatever the case may be. Everybody kind of has the, the understanding that it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you suck. I'm saying your riff sucks. And that's, <laughs> and that's different.
4: That's my lifeblood. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but it's like
0: everybody, like if, everybody has the understanding that it's like, it's communication and it's, if if we don't think something works, like, well, we have to sit and talk about it. And it's like, all right, well, if I think something sucks and they think it's great, all right, well then I, I just fucking lose. Like I lost and, and the part stays and I don't take it personally. It's just like, all right, well it is what it is. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I think we take that approach with almost everything we do is we try and go for at least a three fourths compromise, you know, if three three out of four guys say this is good, I like this, we roll with it. Um, if two guys say it's good and two guys say it sucks, then we have to we ha- we got to figure it out. Um, but like for example. When we were picking out the singles, like I didn't think Kenosis, our first single, was strong enough to be the first single. It's was like, it's it's a good song. It's not the it's not like the song. And <laughs> Frank, They and all looked Frank at me, they were like
2: g- vehemently Yeah, yeah, yeah they, right they all looked at
1: me, they were like, You're a fucking idiot. And I was like, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like we we kind of approach that perspective to to like everyone in the band kind of has a role um if that role is you know you're the guy who comes up with the best riffs or maybe for this band your riffs aren't the strongest but you take care of all the management you take care of all the social media you're on top of the actual business side Or, you know, you do all the engineering or you come up with all the little fill ideas or something outside of just music. Like, I feel like we all kind of have a sense of like, yeah, you know, I may only get one or two songs of like my ideas on an album and the majority is going to be someone else. But I do A, B and C other things. So there's never really a sense of like, someone's slacking or someone's not pulling their weight
4: yeah it's it and especially on the music side well i guess and really in any aspect of being in a band anytime there's any sort of like uh any ideas that come up and there's like a not i wouldn't say a dispute but if there's like a conversation of like what stays what, what goes what's cool what's not it's like if you're only if we if you like if frank came up to us with a riff and he was like hey like check this riff out i think it's really sick. And we're like, "I don't know, dude, it's kind of whack, and his only argument to keep it is, "I don't know, dude, it's kinda of sick, like it's my riff, like whatever, then like that's not good enough like you you gotta be if if you're presenting an idea, you gotta be able to back it if you can't if you can't back up your own idea, then why 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 should it stay? You know,
3: thankfully, on the album, like there wasn't anything that we like poo-pooed that like someone was like seriously like championing like no i need this on there like that never like happened like
1: we all mostly agreed on all the stuff figure we all end up at some point throughout the writing process critiquing each other or or asking for critiques like uh for, i'm gonna use kenosis again um I had initially planned that solo in Kenosis to be half that length. So I had, a, I had my whole solo written and like practiced and ready, almost ready to start recording. And then Frank or AJ was like, what if we doubled that? Or like, make it longer. I was like, you want me to write a whole other? Th- yeah. I was like, "Yeah, you want me to make a whole other solo in like a week? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, mm-hmm. do it. I was like, I don't want to do it. And they are like, tough, <laughs> do it. And I got it. I, I want to <laughs> say like... 90% there. And there was just like one or two parts I was stumped on. I was like, I know where it is. I know where I want to go. And here are the main notes I want to hit. But I'm I'm drawing blanks. Help me out. And I think AJ, you were like, Well, what if you did this? And like you just sent me some rough ideas you had bouncing around and that like triggered something. I was like, okay, now I have ideas to finish it. Or um Frank, I I think I remember there was another time where AJ was demoing drums or something like that. And you're like, that feels good, but you're better. Like, like you're better than that. Be better than that. <laughs> I like to ask AJ to do more. Yeah, there's, there's like this healthy kind of back and forth of like, we expect more than you, m- more of you. So be better than that without mm. being a bully about it. We're going to bully you without being That's a bully. How
2: Whisper supremacy came to life between John and Flo. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> pushing each other
4: um, I want to talk about AJ you produced most of the record right The only thing, I guess the only thing I didn't do was the mastering which was done through uh, Alan Douches oh, West West Side
2: legend yes uh, talk to me about that decision uh, why keep it in house why not go to someone else uh, the confidence of having someone uh, you can only blame AJ maybe I don't know
4: um i ask myself that every time i say (laughs) i want to record our own stuff uh one of these days i I will give it away but i I think it is a little bit of the like i i'm kind of there from the beginning so i want to see it through to the end kind of aspect to it um but there yeah it's it, it gets tough especially in the later parts of it uh i remember uh, very vividly i'm in the i'm in like the last bits of mixing a couple of weeks before i needed to send it out for mastering and i'm like does this suck does this all just <laughs> suck i hate like I'm, I'm like like this bass drum do i is that really what i want it to be is the snare what i want it to be does greg sound cool like is this the solo tone like Lots of second-guessing. So, yeah, I definitely ask myself that all the time, but I don't know. I guess I'm a, a glutton for punishment. I play drums in a death metal band, so I, <laughs> obviously that isn't enough, I guess.
2: In in, in <laughs> a few death metal bands, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about you guys at the the other side of the band uh, trusting him? To, to talk to us about that decision of trusting him to mix this, the next big album. I
0: mean... Um So I'm, me and AJ are actually in another band that's, that's not metal. And we do the exact same thing. We, we do it all in-house. And it's like working so closely with AJ and all these things. It's, it it seemed just like the natural decision to, to me at least. Um, I mean, who would know better than us? right now and 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 what we want and like especially with the second album like kind of maybe finding like kind of honing in on our sound like what our voice is kind of in like the genre it's like who would know in my opinion like who would know better than aj at this point um because he's he does everything he writes and he records and then he mixes and he edits and he helps lyrics and he does everything else. So like, to me, it was like a natural thing. We, me and AJ actually had a conversation about like, Oh, like we were driving where were we? we were driving somewhere.
4: Brooklyn. We were stuck in fucking Brooklyn traffic. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. 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 And yeah, we were talking about like, Oh, like, would it be cool to go to somebody else and have like an outside opinion? Who's not us. And I think at first we stuck with AJ because it was like, well, we don't want to spend money. We don't want to spend any of the budget. Like, why would we pay someone to engineer it when AJ can engineer it?
1: Yeah, like we've all been in a bunch of different bands and had different recording situations where we were either paying someone a couple hundred dollars a day to rent a studio and have a board engineer do something. And then, you know, you might get a few revisions and like, you better know what you want. Before, like almost exactly what you want with references, with ideas, with like, like pretty regimented um, opinions of how you want this to sound or like very DIY where it ends up sounding like Duke because, you know, you had a couple hundred bucks to buy an interface and a few microphones and you're like, oh, we'll figure it out. Well, we started with that guy who just kept buying microphones and kept figuring it out. Exactly. Yeah. So, at least now I think the track record and I'm, I'm gonna compliment AJ so watch him blush um, just watch him just shrivel up <laughs> in, in his chair uh, we found someone <laughs> whose track record speaks for himself where um, it's not like it's not like anything he puts out sounds bad it just keeps getting better over time and uh, I think a big reason for that is AJ is a studio nerd in the most literal definition, it's like the rest of us want to go hang out. He's like, no, I just bought a preamp or I bought a drum mic that does five different things. We're like, okay, nerd. Like, <laughs> we're gonna go play guitar now um, to our benefit. So, like, I don't like like in, in some ways it's really really helpful because we're all a bunch of opinionated assholes about it. It takes us two years to record an album, so we would bankrupt any label that wanted us to go somewhere else. (laughs) And at the same time, it's given us a really awesome opportunity to figure out what exactly do we want? Like, we're not under any time pressure, uh, to put an album out. We're not under any sort of like financial pressure to like, you only have this weekend to get in there and get all the drums done. You have two days for guitar. It's like, no, we'll go home and we'll come back. (laughs) Like, yeah. It's, it's a, we're really fortunate in that regard. Um, and now that I feel like we have a really solid understanding of what we sound like, what we like, and especially what we don't like, you know, in the future, it's, there might be an advantage to going somewhere else, but at least for the time being, like this works really well for us.
4: Maybe, maybe not Frank. I think I think I think Frank doesn't want to record vocals with me anymore after I made him sweat in the control room. We're
1: not recording
3: in the summer.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that's the issue. Yeah, that's a that's a crucial thing we learned this year <laughs> was not to record in the summertime cuz you got
3: to turn the air off cuz it makes noise. And then it gets fucking hot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, I love this question. A dream tour. Uh imagine you guys could pick your own tour to make half perform in front of the perfect audience to showcase all that was promised to the perfect metalhead so that when that metalhead leaves the show they are future HATH fans what bands will be on that bill let's say it's a three-band bill HATH is opening the show what two bands should play on top of you guys opeth and Nile.
4: I was gonna
1: say Opeth and Nevermore. Well, oh man, Mm. I was thinking of bands that still exist. We we would be the odd ones out, but I just want to see that tour. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking thinking of bands that still exist, but damn,
4: that's good. Yeah, Opeth and Nile would be tight. I think that would work. I don't know. I don't know what Opeth and Nile would do with each other, but like that would be that would be awesome to see for sure we'll do bloodbath and then
1: yeah it'd be bloodbath <laughs> nile and then everyone will say hey that opener just ripped off the two headlines
2: yeah <laughs> 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 we'll do us
4: uh
1: we'll
3: do us um bloodbath and black Dahlia. <laughs> like that's like that's a crowd that we that could,
2: uh could reach absolutely uh jerry monk gave you guys a raving review um Aww. I just read the it. The
3: architect himself?
2: I, the metal architect himself delivered a stellar review for uh, all that was promised. Uh, the only thing that was missing, in my opinion, was a guest vocal for me, but you chose not to have any guest vocals. So, so nothing, <laughs> nothing was promised. No, wait, wait, wait. But it is called... <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to address this. So <laughs> You knew I'd bring it yeah. up.
3: <laughs> so AJ and I talked about it a lot. But the thing that I suck at is um, we don't arrange the vocals until we're, like, recording. And we, like, we went, all right, how about this part? Uh, How about this part? How about this part? And we talked about it for, like, weeks. And then once we actually get into the recording, at that point, I was like, I don't know. All this is, like, so personal. I just, like, like, I don't, like, I feel weird getting someone else on on here because, like, these songs are not, like... These songs are more personal for me but also like we all like we got halfway through tracking and i was like i don't know what part to put him on and aj was like i I, I feel the same thing but now i'm like all right so now i'm saying it it's on a recording i'm vowing i'm gonna set aside a part i'm gonna set something aside because i would (laughs) like us to do something (laughs)
2: <laughs> that would make me very like, happy, and I appreciate. it. I, you I felt that. so bad.
3: I was like, I wanted <laughs> no, to do it. Was it.
2: I wanted to do it. Too. I, was I was like, like the record fuck. is finished. You're finished. I was like, oh, okay, but it's okay. <laughs> I felt so bad. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, let's touch on uh, being a part of Brutal North America. Uh, you were actually one of the first bands that I hit up when I was setting it up. I believe I hit up. Uh, the Agonist and Le Fermatal overhop up here in Montreal. Broken Goblet was definitely one of the first ones that I wrote in the states because I had just had him on the podcast and I knew he had done a band beer for Unearth. I it just worked, so so it was an immediate yes from Mike, uh, and uh, it would look like an amazing beer. So talk to me about your experience being a part of brutal
4: North America. I mean the the bgob boys are the boys like we've we've known we've known mike forever and uh one of me and frank's uh earlier bands had actually recorded with one of the current owners of broken goblet too. his name's jay um and so like we've we've known each other for a uh, god i don't even what over 15 years 10 uh, 15 years now at this point know, jay longer? for
3: 14 years uh mike for maybe 11 or 12
4: way too specific you asked thank you. <laughs> um but, yeah, <laughs> but but yeah like we've known them for we've known them for a long long time um and so we and we're yeah like we're always at broken goblet it's always like hey it's saturday we're bored what do we want to do oh let's just go to b gob they have they have a, a cover band playing or they have it's quiet there today let's go <laughs> let's let's go in and and drink beer and stuff so when uh when you had hit us up to do it we were like yeah like obviously we would do it And the whole process from beginning to end was, like, effortless, at least on our part. Like, Mike, we we came up with the idea. Mike was like, hmm, yeah, we can do that. And then went to uh, Jay's brother, Bub, who's the brewer there, and was like, hey, spicy, sweet, got to be easy to drink at summertime. And he was like, I got you. And it was like the, I think they only did, they did one test brew. And he and Bob had said it wasn't spicy enough, so then he redid it, and then the second revision or the first revision of the beer was the one that got canned. So like they nailed it in very few tries, <laughs> and then we showed up for labeling, and we, we we all like got to like enjoy it like out of the can in the glass the whole bit, and we were just like, yeah, what the fuck, this is great. Yeah,
1: it's good. <laughs> yeah it was it was a little surreal. It was like this this feels a little bit above us, like. <laughs>
2: We're we're making a beer right now and you guys delivered such cool content for the 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 video portion the the little making of that we were making of everything you guys really went above and beyond and Chris Kells uh, Of the agonist who helped put together all that video content was very impressed with what you guys put out So thank you so much for
4: that. No, it's definitely a pleasure to to do it We're very thankful that you asked us.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun to do
4: I love it. I love it. Um, You guys have
2: been busy Writing music, recording music, um, very, you know, organized way of writing music, putting in a lot of work. Uh, but I'm curious how you've been filling the void of performing live. Something that I get to do is what we're doing right now. Right before I sit down right here, I'm always a bit nervous. I'm Am I prepared enough? Uh, is the Internet going to work? Uh, is the sound going to be good? It's always something that stresses me out the same way that I feel right before I jump on stage. So how have you guys been filling the void of performing?
1: Yeah, early, was it early 2021? Um, The, our, our merch partner was putting together an online fest. uh, Don't get out of bed fest through massacre merch. It was like 20, a dozen bands, 20 bands.
4: It was almost 20 bands. It was crazy.
1: (laughs) Um, We agreed to do that. And we also uh, got hit up and agreed to do um, one of the months for Metal Injection's uh, Slay at Home Fest. So those were like pretty close together. So Slay at Home, we were all working on like recording at home, trying to make it as authentic as we can with like live DIs and trying to figure that out. And then for uh, the Masker Merch um, Fest, uh, we partnered with Broken Goblet again because they have a, a bigger stage there. So it was us and Cognitive one night. Um, the brewery was closed because of COVID. And we uh, partnered with um, Sonny from Hate 5 Six, who he does like a lot of punk and hardcore uh, filming, especially around Philly. Uh, he came in and he filmed just a live set to no one. <laughs> it was like the most. Weird thing. Um, just this big empty room. So that was like two things we did. And like we started a Twitch channel for shits. <laughs> like, uh, Frank plays a ton of video games. And for me, it was like my week, like at least once a week now, I practice guitar online. Because if, if I didn't do that during COVID, like especially during 2020, there's a good chance I would just not have played guitar for a year. Like if I, if I didn't have a purpose, something like to work towards, you know, between albums, no shows, nothing going on, can't practice with the band for me, it's like, eh, why? (laughs) So that was like, all right, at least I'm at the very least, if no one's watching, no one's interacting, I'm practicing our normal set or like songs we don't play very often once a week.
4: Yeah. And I mean, as far as like, the like pre-show jitters that i would usually get before playing i feel like i get that anytime i'm like asked to record somebody <laughs> somebody that i don't know so it's like you, i kind of get that like it where you would normally be like feeling out a crowd to see like what's kind of going on you're feeling out a a band <laughs> and you're just you know trying to make sure that they're comfortable and doing that so that definitely kept me uh Give me very similar vibes. There's obviously there's nothing. I, I don't sweat nearly enough um, <laughs> recording bands as I do playing a show, uh, which is I guess arguably nicer. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think anything truly replaces like the feeling of getting up on a stage and just yelling at people.
2: No, <laughs> can't do that. I love it.
4: I mean, you could do it on the streets, but that won't end well.
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: we. We had that weekender in October with Burial in the Sky. That was our first show in like 18 months or something like that. And we, we were playing to like a room of friends in Philadelphia. It was a very weird show where it's not well attended, but like all the bands that were there were our friends. So, I was like, okay, it's it's like a, a band practice with friends. And I had jitters what they felt like similar to the first show I ever played. Is like how the fuck is this gonna go? (laughs) Like, like, there's no one here. Like, everyone gets it, but it's like, what the fuck am I doing? And like, (laughs) within seven minutes, you relearned everything.
3: Hmm. The third Mm -hmm. show of that, the New York show, was the first one where I was like, oh my god, I feel good again.
1: Yep, right. It it felt real. It was like, okay, we're in a groove, and then the run was done.
2: Amazing, uh, Greg, uh, Frank. You want to touch on filling the void at all?
0: Um, I've been listening for like the last like ten minutes. Um,
2: <laughs> no, I mean
0: jokes, jokes, babe. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I miss playing shows, but like, I never really played a ton of shows. Like, I miss playing shows. Like, our first tour now that we're going on another tour, I was talking to people and I was like, that tour was probably the most fun I've had at like, probably like in my entire life. And so like, when I think about it, like, yeah, like I miss shows, but like, I kind of didn't think about it because it was like, well, kind of life goes on. Like you still have to go to work and you still go home and you take care of your dog and you cook and you clean and you, you do this and then you get a text message saying like, Hey, we're going to go play show. And it's like, all right, cool. Now we're, now we're doing that again. And, and it was like, I don't know, like it, it was a, it was a void, but it was, it was never something that ever really sunk in. Like I never sat on my couch and like stared at the wall being like, man, I wish I could go play a show again. But I mean, me and AJ and our, and our other band, like had our first practice the other day for like, the first time in like 10 months. And I, Mm, and I left
4: a little over a year almost.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I left that practice being like, holy shit. I missed that. Like that was like, it was like invigorating to like play those songs again and stuff like that. And I think once probably three shows in, I'll probably be like, wow, like I can't believe I haven't done this in, how many months? How many what year? Or two years? Like whatever? Or how long? It, how long it's been? But I mean, like that uh, span of time where we didn't play because of the pandemic and all that stuff. I mean, it was just, hey man, get up, go to work, and watch some cooking shows, drink some wine, talk shit in a group chat, and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are you Frank? Yeah,
3: uh, the Twitch has been great because it's a way. I view it as a way for us to interact with fans without having to tour since we can't, um and it's good. And I, I think it's something good to start now because we all have jobs that we can't just like quit and stuff and go tour all the time. So like, it's something that we can continue to do after you know life returns to quote unquote normal. Um, because it's an easy way that we can interact with people without having to quit our jobs and go on the road. Uh, So that's been cool, and, like, I do it twice a week. And uh, other than the album, the only things I've really been invested in is, like, I play a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in three games, and some people play more, but, like, goddamn, that is, like with like work and and band stuff i'm like it's a lot man like (laughs) so yeah so 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 um ox and hops hangs are thursdays normally yeah i don't come because i play on thursdays (laughs) and i'm like otherwise i'd be i'd be there too um but like no that's that's been the big thing that's gotten me through this all um, I made some friends on Twitter who, uh, I've like played a game with and like that game has been a ton of fun. Um, yeah, like that's, that, that's, that's been a huge thing for me, uh, throughout this whole like past few years, games in the Twitch. Hmm.
4: Frank would get a lot more done if he wasn't always playing all these damn games. (laughs) I just love the games. Look, hate the player. Yeah.
2: This one time, hate the player. (laughs) We're going to wrap this up. One last question. Classic Vox and Hops wrap-up question. I'm sure I asked AJ last time, but maybe it's changed since then. Um, You guys are very busy. Too much Dungeon and Dragon. Uh, Work as usual. Cooking shows. Um... Hanging out Thirsty Thursday, um, definitely you'll need it after too many Thirsty Thursdays. Uh, But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What are your hangover cures?
4: It's still the same for me. Greasy-ass eggs, coffee, and (laughs) etc.
1: Same, but any sort of like processed meat, like processed pork meat on a bagel, eggs, cheese, maybe a hash brown, depending on how... Hungover I am, and the world's <laughs> biggest coffee.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I'm an adult, so I don't get hungover.
3: <laughs> Fuck you, Craig. <Greg. laughs> so mad. Like, 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 how often have you been touring through our a-
2: area? Oh, at least probably five to ten times. I have think. you
3: gone to Wawa?
2: I know exactly what it is. Yes. Yeah. All
3: right. All right. All right. So, 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 so like basically the thing that I like to do is like late at night, have, 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 have a greasy ass sandwich at Wawa and then sleep. And then I like wake up and if it's still bad, um, there's a shop right in town and I'll get a sausage, egg, cheese, and hash brown on and everything. And that sandwich will cure everything, uh, that <laughs> everything that ails you. <laughs>
0: Basically I I take a thousand milligram of aspirin and the world's biggest coffee and just pray <laughs> yeah,
1: like Jer- Jersey boys the the hangover cure like staple is some kind of greasy bagel
2: mm, I, I'm you map. can't escape it <laughs> some, some
0: bagel egg cheese your choice of meat. And some sort of caffeine, maybe a
1: Gatorade.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Pedialyte. Yeah, Pedialyte. That's that's the tour cure.
1: Mm. Oh, I've got my email alerts set up. I'm waiting for a Pedialyte sale, and I'm going to town. I'm prepping prepping two months out.
2: (laughs) Fantastic, Uh, Pete. AJ, Greg, Frank, thank you so, so much for taking the time, hanging out with me, talking about your life, talking about music, talking about craft beer. Uh, I'm very excited that we got to do this. I am all about half, hail half, as we say in the Thirsty Thursday gang. All that was promised it's coming out this Friday, March 4th listen to it get the hype train going it's a, you don't want to miss this hype train cuz it's it's leaving the station real soon people massive cheers guys thank you so much it's amazing thank you for Thanks. having, thank you. having us thank you for
0: having us cheers thank you
2: Hey, Thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. This was an epic conversation. We continued hanging out for another 20, 30 minutes after we stopped recording. We had more stories, more laughs. I cannot wait to hang out with Hath face to face for the first time. I am such a fan of what they've done with their music. I am very excited about their new record, All That Was Promised. It's coming out this Friday, March 4th via Willowtip Records. Trust me, you do do not want to sleep on this record check it out it is worth the hype massive cheers to half i cannot cannot say anything more but what we always say at the thirsty thursday virtual hangs whenever a member of half is there hail hath. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V O X A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the info about any episodes which I dropped that week. If I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, you also hear about any projects that I have in the works before I announce to the public. You will get to see the album reviews, which the Vox and Hops album review crew have dropped that week, and you'll get to see which albums. Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, the man that introduced me to Half has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, I would hate for you to miss a single thing, so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound, Telemedia, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I'll be back next week with two episodes, but until then, please remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits! This
1: is the story of Whitney Houston.
2: This is the story of Kurt Cobain.
1: Of George
0: Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince.
2: It's a new podcast series.
0: About how they died, why they died. Feeling understood.
4: And it's those moments we'll help you remember the ones you're
2: thinking about right now.
0: That feeling.
2: That feeling.
0: It's coming soon from Crowd Network.
2: Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app.
0: And
3: subscribe now.